We're wrapping up a two-part series we started last week called Moved by Mission. And if you missed last week, I want to encourage you to check that message out. You can download it or stream it, rewatch it wherever you get your content, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, even the Google Play Store. You can, you can find it there. Because if we're going to fulfill our mission of reaching those far from God, we have to go where the lost people are. So even Android users, but uh, you, can, you can check that out. And um, that's what we're talking about. I said, that's if we're going to fulfill our mission, but we're talking about mission, moved by mission. And admittedly, most of us don't think about our day-to-day lives in terms of mission. We might think about our obligations. We might think about the demands on our life. We might think about the list of responsibilities we have. We might think about objectives that we want to accomplish or some frustrations we're experiencing or some expectations we have for ourselves. But for most of us, mission is not our mindset. And I want to suggest to you that it really should be. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you are a disciple, you should should have a mission mindset. Now, I said mission, not missions. If you grew up in church, maybe you hear the word missions. You think about, you know, going overseas or crossing a cultural barrier. And and that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I grew up on the mission field. But we're talking about the mission of Jesus. Jesus said this, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been commissioned, the Great Commission, to to go into the world, carry out the mission of Jesus. And no doubt there's many ways we could categorize just exactly what that mission is. But I I said this last week to help frame it up, that when we're talking about the mission of Jesus, to be moved by mission, what we're really talking about is responding to the world with the heart of God. So last week, we focused on just how to respond. And the main idea is that we shouldn't let our feelings dictate our obedience. That's why you need, need to check it out. Like if, if, if you just let your feelings be in the driver's seat, if you wait until you feel something, then it's very likely you are going to miss out what God has called you to do. Now, feelings aren't bad. Feelings aren't evil. Feelings are God-given. One thing we can see clearly by looking at the life and ministry and mission of Jesus is that Jesus had feelings. Scripture says he was a man of sorrows, a man acquainted with grief. We see that he was often filled with compassion. We see times when he was angry or indignant. Jesus had feelings. Feelings aren't evil. They just shouldn't be in the driver's seat of our lives. So since we know that we need to be moved by mission, not forced by feelings, I want to take the remainder of our time today to talk about what that mission is, to really talk about how we respond, what that response looks like. And to do that, I want to begin by looking in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to look at two verses. This is just a, a two-verse sermon today. And uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and find your way there, 1 Peter chapter 4. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can repent. So it's a joke. We've got church jokes today. Hey, as you're finding your way there, I want to tell you, we've got some exciting things coming up. Of course, next week is Mother's Day. 
You don't want to miss that. We're going to have some fun. We've got some great things planned for, for moms and for all the ladies in our church. And let me tell you, um, if you have a mom, then uh, you would want to make sure she comes here because what mom wants is she wants to feel special. She wants everybody together. She wants a picture. You can get all of that done here and, and she'll be blessed by it. And mom wants to know that you're serving the Lord too. So come to church, let her know that. And then, hey, we're in a new season. We're in a new season at our church, a new season of vibrant faith. Did you notice that when you walked in? We got a new wall out there and some new decor. And, and uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what vibrant faith is over the next few weeks. Of course, if you really want to get in on, on what, this, what it means to be in this season, you got to come to Leaders Night. And some of you are thinking, well, what's Leaders Night? Well, Leaders Night, it's for leaders, but the way you get to be, to be able to come is you got to be part of a team. And then you can say to the leader of your team, hey, I heard there's leaders night. Can I come? And they'll invite you because we kind of keep it on the DL. Um, but, uh, but this is me kind of, you know, spilling, spilling the, the guts of it and let you, letting you know what, what leaders night's about. Okay. First Peter chapter four, verse 10 says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. If anyone speaks, let it be as one who speaks God's words. If anyone serves, let it be from the strength God provides so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I love this verse. It's one of the first verses I remember praying over myself when I first started preaching. I found this verse. I was reading it and it said, if anybody speaks, let him speak God's words. If anybody serves, of course, I learned this in the New King James. If anybody ministers, let him minister with God's ability. And I've always prayed, God, when I get up here, let it be your words, not my words. God, I need your help. I don't want to do this in my own strength. And I, I, I love this verse, but I want to talk to you about why it's not just something for me, why it's something for you today. And as we're in this series, Moved by Mission, Last week, I told you it's more than a feeling. Today, I want to speak to you from this subject. It's a gift. It's a gift. In fact, I need your help with this this morning. If you are sitting next to somebody that you just think, man, how is it I get to be next to you? You're so talented, so good looking, so, 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 so spectacular in every way. You just turn back and say, it's a gift. All right, tell them it's a gift. Now, some of you that don't participate, I will threaten to come out there like I did last week. I will preach this sermon sitting next to you. But uh, hey, I want to pray. I know I need God's help when I get up here, and uh, I believe we all do. So would you just bow your head with me as we go to God in prayer one more time? God, thank you for your word. Your word gives light to us. It speaks to us every time we open it. And God, we need to hear from you. Only you can take one message and personalize it to everybody here. So God, use me today. Do that. Do it again. We need to hear from you, God. We need your perspective. We thank you for it, God. In Jesus' name, and everybody who agrees with that can say amen. All right, you guys are doing great. We're going to have some fun today. I'm curious, have you ever received a gift that you didn't know what to do with? Anybody? Just put your, some of you are like, yes, you're pointing fingers already. I've got, some, I've got some crazy stories. This has happened multiple times in my life. I've shared this before, so I won't, I won't like go into details, but like one time for our wedding, this, this couple like gave us this, it, it was homemade, but it was like this, 
I would call it like a spanking paddle. I don't know what it was, but anyways, it, it had the craziest, and uh, anyway, it, I won't even go into the details, but that was a gift we received one time, and I was like, I, I don't know what to do with this. We didn't have children, you know, we weren't even married, so um, sometimes you get these gifts, and you know, people are well-intentioned. I think sometimes it's, they just, they just don't know my tastes, and uh, that's why my mother-in-law always gets me gift cards now. And uh, sometimes people are down on gift cards. I'm, I'm not down on gift cards. Like sometimes people are like, you know, a gift card, it doesn't take any thought. I think just the opposite. It means I've thought about this and I want to make sure you get something that you want. So here's a, here's a gift card. But, um, you know, it is really special when you do get a gift and you can tell there's a lot of thought that's been put into it. Like sometimes really good gifts, that person can get you something and you didn't even know you wanted it. It's like, this is amazing. You got me that I didn't even know this existed. My wife does that. She, she's so great at giving gifts. Gift giving is her, is her love language. She likes gifts and more gifts and she's good at getting gifts. And she, one, one time she got me this, this gift. I, I didn't know these things existed, but I, I travel frequently enough. And, and she got me this like little Bluetooth receiver that plugs into this airplane thing that hooks up to my AirPods so I can keep my, you know, noise canceling thing going, but listen to the, to the movie and not have to be tethered. It was amazing. It's a beautiful gift. Of course, that same year, I mean, I took her to an all-inclusive resort. I'm not saying it's a competition or anything, but if it was, I obviously love her more. But uh, especially when she told me, it's like, I picked that up in the clearance aisle of TJ Maxx. She didn't even know if it worked. But, but you know, sometimes you get gifts that are just amazing gifts other times you get gifts and you're like, I don't, I don't even know what to do with this. To me, that usually happens around weddings. I can't figure it out because like, I've done all the work of making a gift registry. Like, I, I have let you know what I want, need, and desire, but you know, sure, an ice cream maker sounds good. I'll take that. And while I'm at it, I can churn butter too. It's, you ever get those gifts? You're like, what am I supposed to do with this? Well, it's, it's that question of what am I supposed to do with this that, that drew me to the text today because it's ironic that Peter would be talking about gifts when the believers that he's writing to are going through grief. A little context on 1 Peter. But Peter's writing this epistle. First one, there's 1 Peter and 2 Peter. He's writing this epistle to this group of Christians scattered abroad who are enduring some real trials. Now, I'm not trying to suggest that what you're going through is the same thing that they're going through. They were going through persecution for their faith. They were going through hostility. They, they were going through harassment because the way they lived their life was different than the way other people were living life in the region where they lived. And so they had to endure all this hardship. And you might not be dealing with those exact things, but the symptoms of what you're experiencing are the same because the result of what they were going through caused them not to focus on the mission, but on the moment. They were thinking, Peter, this is great. I'm, I'm glad you're writing me, but I don't know if I'm just gonna get to tomorrow. Like, I'm just trying to survive. I've got all this stuff going on, being pulled from all these different directions. I've got 
all these pressures on my life, and that's great that you can write me and talk to me about a gift, but to be honest, Peter, I can't, I don't feel like I have a gift. I'm just focused on getting by. And the way Peter packages this, it almost comes across as a contradiction because he's talking about a gift, but he sandwiches it between suffering. Like if you read 1 Peter chapter 4, and you can read it on your own today, the way he starts out, he says, hey, I know what you're going through is hard right now. I know you're feeling stretched. I know that you're facing some opposition. But then he gets to verse 10, 11, but don't worry. God has given you a gift. So use it. Make sure you use it. And as you use it, God's going to be glorified. Then when you get to verse 12 and 13 and so on, he says, just don't be surprised that it's happening during a difficult time. It's like, excuse me? Like, Peter, this, this is a strangely wrapped gift. It, it's a contradiction. And, and, and contradictions kind of make sense because this is coming from, from Peter, after all. Peter is the, the king of contradictions. Peter is a bundle of contradictions. You see, Peter, we talked about him a little bit last week. Of course, he was one of Jesus' disciples. But, but Peter was full of contradictions. You think about Peter's life. He was the first disciple to confess Jesus as Lord. He's also the first disciple to deny him. That, that, that moment when he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, that was the moment that Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. That was, he had two names. That's a contradiction. <laughs> blessed are you, Simon. And he said, and now I call you Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. And then Literally like five minutes later, Jesus calls him the devil. He says, get behind me, Satan. So one moment he says, Peter, you're blessed. The next moment he says, get behind me, Satan. There's this other time that Jesus went to Peter and he said, let me wash your feet. And Peter says, no, Lord, you are never going to wash my feet. It's inappropriate. Jesus said, well, unless I wash your feet, you have no part in my mission, my ministry. So Peter says, well, don't just wash my feet. Wash all of me then. I, I need the whole thing. Peter was full of contradictions. For all of Peter's contradictions, though, one thing we could say about him is that he was gifted. He was extremely gifted because Peter wasn't just any disciple. Peter was at the center of every meaningful moment in the Gospels. In fact, if you notice, whenever the names of the disciples are listed, Peter's name is always mentioned first. He was the designated or undesignated leader of the disciples. Lots of times we think about Paul being a missionary to the Gentiles. It was actually Peter that first took the gospel outside of Judaism. Peter was the first one to preach the gospel message. He preached the first sermon. 3,000 people came to Christ, believed, and were baptized that day. Peter was this central figure and leader in the early church. Peter was gifted. So if you've ever felt conflicted in your calling or, or mixed up in your mission, Peter is a great figure to learn from because he knew what it was like to have high highs and, and low lows. So in writing this epistle, after spending the first three chapters encouraging them, they're going through hardship, admonishing them, 
and some instruction of the Lord, he gets to where he wants to move them to action. He, he, he says, I, I want you to know that you have a gift. He says, I know you're feeling pressure. I know there's a lot on your plate. I, I, I know there are things that are pulling on you from different directions. But when you feel overwhelmed, here's what you need to remember. I have a gift. Would you say that with me? Say, I have a gift. Now, I almost put that on the screen as, as you have a gift, but I, I want you to internalize this. I want you to receive this. I want you to recognize I have a gift. Hopefully you're taking notes. You, you, you're writing this down. You're, you're recognizing the fact that I have a gift. I have a gift and you have a gift. We have a gift, but it's not collectively. It's individually. I have a gift. I want you to receive it because that's exactly what, what Peter said in verse 10. He says, just as each one has received a gift, received this past tense. It means you already got it. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You're, you're not trying to get it. It's not something you're waiting on to manifest in your life or fully mature. You have it right now. And it's interesting to me that he focuses first on this word gift before he moves to talk about mission. Because typically when I think about the word mission, what I think is what are all the things that I have to do? Or I, I want to know where we're going. I want to know what the game plan is. I want to know what the strategy is. I, I want to know what's the goal. How do we get there? What's at stake in this? But Peter says, mission begins with understanding what you've already received. In fact, I would tell you this, that the Christian life is really more about receiving than it is achieving. We hear mission, we think, what do I got to do? Peter says, no, I'm not talking about what you got to achieve. I want you to first just think about what you have received. You've got a gift. Now, if you're anything like me, this, this goes against my natural tendencies because I tend to be an achiever by nature. Like, I feel better about myself when I'm accomplishing something. I like having a to-do list. I, I like having things checked off my to-do list. I, I, I like having more on my plate than I can handle. When my plate's full, it forces me to focus. I, I, I like all of that because it, it keeps the sense of forward progress in my life. But what might be a help for me mentally can actually be a detriment for all of us spiritually. Because if we're not careful, we get in this mode where we relate to God out of our achievements, out of our deeds, out of what we do, out of what's our list, and our faith resembles more of a checklist than it does a gift registry. The Christian life begins with receiving, not achieving. Because you can't give something that you don't have. Your mission is a gift, not a gig. It's something God has given you to use, not, not a burden that you're supposed to carry. In fact, if you would just bring my, my illustration out. When he says you've received a gift, the, the Greek word for this is charisma. We're familiar with that word. We, we think about like a person with charisma. They've got this, you know, they've got this magnetism about them. But the, the Greek actually means, means a grace gift. When, when it says you've got You've been given charisma. You've been given a gift. What it means is that you've got this supernatural empowerment. 
So when, when Peter says, you have a gift, I want you to see how most of us think about that. Got this awesome bike that somebody brought out for me. It's got a bow on it, even. And the way most of us approach it is we think, it's great. I got a gift. Now I've got more to do. And this is what it looks like. Thank you for that. Thanks for bringing that out. All right, now I'm just going to carry this with me. Supposed to use it. It's great. And what happens is, is we are carrying something that is supposed to be carrying us. See, we think, I've got this gift, but it's inconvenient. I've got this gift, but now I've got more on my plate. I've got this gift, but it's, it's really just creating challenges and, and difficulty for me. And what I'm hoping you see today is that when Peter says you have a gift, it's not adding something to your life, one more thing for you to carry. Your gift is actually the thing that helps move you forward. Your gift should carry you. Now, I was going to get on this and write it, but I'm a little scared I'm going to crash into this LED screen. So, so we'll just pass on that for now. I want you to receive the gift today and let it empower your mission. He says, just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others. Now, I actually learned this, like I said, in the New King James Version. It says, use it to minister to others. So the first thing is, I have a gift. Second thing is, I have a ministry. Would you say this with me? I have a ministry. We'll try on the count of three. One, two, three. I have a ministry. I have a gift, and I have a ministry. Now, maybe you've never thought of yourself as a minister before. You're like, isn't that for preachers? Put the mic in your hand. Isn't that like those guys wear that collar? That collar that looks so good. I wish I could wear one of those. Isn't that for them? No, Scripture says if you've placed your faith in Christ, not only do you have a gift, you also have a ministry. You are a minister. Now, admittedly, this is where we run into a little bit of a challenge. Because everyone has a gift. It says each one has received a gift. Everyone. So everyone has a ministry. Use it to serve. But if we look... Statistics tell a different story. There's actually a research firm that, that studies church and culture. It's called LifeWave Research. And they, they did a study on this. And what they found is that the majority of Christians are unengaged in, meet, they're unengaged in meaningful ministry and mission. Meaning people show up for the sermon, but not for service. So... Statistically, what this looks like is they, they say, on average, 30% of people in church are using their gifts in a meaningful way, are actively involved in ministry. Now, we do better than that here. Aren't you glad we do better than that here? Put your hands together if you're happy. We do better than that here. It's great. We're like 50%. But that's far short of the standard. If the standard is everyone, 
The passage says everyone, our practice says some people. Some people have a gift. Now, I just want to take a minute and I want to say thank you to everybody who serves, everybody who's part of the team, our production team, I see kids team, we've got hosts, we've got all these people who serve in various capacities, worship team. Thank you. And I love you guys. I'm so thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you contribute. Thankful for everybody who gives, everybody who moves this mission forward. Earlier this week, I had somebody come to church and they've, they've been out since COVID, but they came by and I was showing the building and I said, look, this is what you built. You did this. And they said, no, I didn't. No, I said, no, you did. We did it together. Couldn't have done it without you. It took everybody doing their part. You did this. We did this. You had a part in this. You've got a gift. So I'm thankful for everybody who serves and, and gives and is part of this. Oh, but I also want to say, if, if you're here and you're, you're not serving, you're not actively involved in mission, part of the ministry, giving, here's what I tell you. I'm not mad at you. I love you. I do. I'm thankful for you. And this is not a guilt message. I'm not preaching this to guilt you. This is a gift. I want you to see that you are missing out on something that's designed to move you forward. You've been thinking, I can't do this because I've got so much going on in my life. I don't need one more thing to take up my time, one more thing to carry, one more thing to fill up space. And I'm saying what you think you're going to have to carry is actually meant to carry you. It's actually meant to carry you. And because of that, I want to just take a moment and speak to the men just for a minute. Now, we've got so many great men in our church who serve, who lead. I'm thankful for all the men. We've got great women in our church who serve and, and who lead. But I want to just, I felt prompted to speak to the men in church today. I'm just take a minute and, and tell you this, that men, God has ordained you for leadership. Now understand, this is not some patriarchal, chauvinistic philosophy. I'm talking about something biblical here. We've got women who lead in our church, and I'm thankful for them. But men, you are supposed to be leaders. God has called you to lead in your family. And I, I see you lead in the boardroom. I see you lead in the field. I, I see you lead in the office. I see you lead on your team. I see you lead in your industry. I see you lead in research. But I, I've noticed something that sometimes when you get to church, you're content to sit back and let someone else lead. And I want to tell you, you have a gift. God has gifted you to lead. So here's one way you can lead. Here's just one way. Don't let church be an option. Make it a discipline. Make it a discipline. This is what we do. When we're in town, we're in church. When we're out of town, we're online. But when we're in town, we're in church. And when we're in church, we're serving. We're serving. In fact, I would love to see 10 guys today, 10 guys today, join our kids team. Now we've got, first of all, you've got to take a background check. Okay. You can't just walk in there. <laughs> but we've got some great guys, great men that already serve in our kids team. I'm thankful for them. But I'd love to see more. Well, we, we need some of you guys in the elementary classrooms to be examples, to, to serve some of these kids. You have a gift. You have a ministry. Some of you guys are audiophiles and technophiles. 
you need to walk back to the production booth after service, introduce yourself to somebody and say, how can I be a part? You have a gift. You have a ministry. Some of you guys are entrepreneurs. You think, well, I don't really know where to get start something, create something. That there's opportunity here. You have a gift. You have a ministry. And it becomes a ministry the moment you begin to use it. I want you to experience what God has gifted you for. It's not a burden for you to carry. It's actually something to carry you forward. So I have a gift. I have a ministry. Here's the last one, though. I also have a part. Can you say that with me? One, two, three. I have a part. I have a gift. I have a ministry, but I have a part. This is what Peter said. Just as each one has received a gift, use it to serve others as good stewards of the varied grace of God. One translation says the multifaceted grace of God. In other words, that means in order to see the whole picture, you have to play your part. In order for it to be complete, you have to do what you can do. Think about this. God wants to use you to display his glory, but he can only do it, you only get the full picture when you play the part you're designed to play. In fact, let me show you what happens when you play your part. Uh, our church received this letter, I don't know, it was last week, a couple weeks ago maybe, and this person wrote in and said, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about the impact Velocity has had on our family. Earlier this year, my family and I volunteered with a group in our church, handing out care packages to people, experiencing homelessness in our city. We had a wonderful time together while serving these people and learning their stories. Since that day, our daughter has been inspired to help others in our community, especially those less fortunate. So she and a friend had the idea to begin raising funds at their school. And last week, they were able to put together two large totes filled and filled care packages to be delivered to one of the shelters in town. I just wanted to say thank you for providing us the opportunity to discover this newfound passion. It's a gift to be part of Velocity Church, and it's helping us grow in our relationship with God. And isn't that awesome? I, I like that she said, it's a gift, or she, I don't know, it's a gift to be part, and I just want, and I, it's a gift to be a part, and I wanna give you the opportunity to be a part. So we talked about serving on a team, but I, I want you to put this in your calendar, and I think we'll have a slide on the screen, but July 23rd, is survey. I'm giving you plenty of notice. It's months from now. July 23rd is our annual serve day. We're going to have over 200. I hope to have 300 people serving our city. It's not for the church. It's serving our city. And I want you to be a part. Here's what happened. We're going to have over 20 different projects that you can be a part of. Um, maybe uh, we have five other churches that are going to be a part of this as well. Maybe like the, the girls in that story, you have some ideas of your own project that you want to bring. You can email uh, outreach at Find Velocity. But here's why this matters. He says in verse 11, so that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ in everything. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Uh, it's like Peter, he starts writing about you have this gift. You have your part. I have my part. We all have something that we're supposed to use. And when we begin to use it, it's like he just spontaneously erupts in a benediction. 
When you start doing what you do and I do what I can do, God gets the glory. It's amazing. Hallelujah. And what I like about that story is, you think about that, those girls didn't earn those packages. Really, they just gave out what they had received. That's what it means to be a steward. You, you don't own anything, but, but you're, you're managing it. In some ways, that's what people are talking about because when he says you've received a gift, you can think about it this way. The Christian life is, is really about regifting. Anybody ever regift something? <laughs> Better believe I regifted that ice cream maker. My mother-in-law loves it. Maybe that's why she gets me gift cards now. But you think about it, like there's a few reasons why you regift something. The first reason would be maybe, maybe it's, you're cheap, right? You just don't want to spend money. That could be one reason. Maybe the second reason is you don't like the gift, okay? But there, there is a third reason why you would regift something. And the third reason is you already have one. Somebody gave me some, some AirPods and I already had some. So I had a friend who was going to buy some. And I said, hey, let me, I've got an extra set. Not even open. Let me just send them to you. I already had them. Well, that's what the Christian life is. When you think about somebody offended you and they need forgiveness, well, you've already received forgiveness. So because you already got forgiveness, you can give it to them. Maybe you have a friend who's going through a difficult time, a challenge, and they need some comfort. Well, you've already received some comfort from the Holy Spirit because you've already got some. You can, you can give it to them. Maybe you know somebody who, who needs some peace in their life or some joy. You've got that from the Holy Spirit. You've received that from God. You can give it to them. Here's the reality. We are in a world that needs Jesus. And if you have received Jesus, guess what? It's our opportunity to give it, to, to give the life we found in Christ to others. The mission isn't the work that you can do for God. It's the gift that God has given you to use. I want you to be moved by mission. I'm not asking you to pick something up and carry it. I'm asking you to receive something that can carry you forward. You know, when we hear about serving, generally what we think of is work, but I want to reframe that today. I want you to think of it as a gift. It's a gift. Reminds me in Romans chapter six, verse 23, there's this verse that kind of contrasts these two things. It says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I've always read this verse thinking about that contrast between death and life. Like if you follow Christ, you get life. If you sin, you get death. And, and those two words are definitely there. They're opposites. But there's another contrast in this verse that I want to point out to you as thought of in the light of this message. It's two words that you wouldn't normally think, think of as a contrast, but it's there. The words are wages and gift. Wages and gift. It's really the approach we have to the mission of Jesus. Are you working for wages or have you received the gift? I, I want to encourage you today 
that the mission isn't the work that you can do for God. God doesn't need you to work for him. He wants you to use what he's already given you.